my job is to catch the ball and move the chain. So that's that's what I plan to do. Welcome into the Wild WOW Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Munoz. We've got a great episode on tap for you today. We talked with University of Wyoming wide receiver Aiden Eberhardt. And then we also were dabbling in a little Broncos talk, a little Denver Broncos talk. We had the Gazette's Denver Broncos reporter, George Stoya, on with us. It's a two-for-one in that interview. We talked to him about the Broncos. And then if you want some Tulsa travel tips, we got those as well for you from George, a Tulsa native. We're also going to talk, you know, a little bit about UW football and last weekend's game at Northern Illinois. It was a scorcher. Well, it looked like a UW victory with ease. And then, uh, well, the Huskies made it interesting late. The Pokes pulled it out 50 to 43. So we'll talk a little bit about that, then get into those interviews and then close with a few Broncos thoughts. Broncos look strong on Sunday as well. But first, Robert, how's it going? It was, it's going well. Yes. Broncos look strong. So that, you know, I'm always in a better mood when the Broncos win hundred percent. You know, my fantasy teams did not do as well as I would have liked this weekend, but that's all right. A lot of teams in the NFL lost first week. They're still going to go to the playoffs, right? So why can't I? Why can't Robert? That's the mindset, his fantasy mindset. My teams went one and one. Well, UW is not one and one. They're two and oh after beating Northern Illinois, and they take on another MAC team, Ball State, this weekend. This past weekend's game. I don't know if words can really describe what happened in DeKalb, Illinois. It was, it was one I, of those I, games. I, I think, I think I could correct you. I heard on the radio, KFBC, Dave Walsh. I think it's DeKalb. I think the L is silent. See, on last week's previewing the pokes, Josh Criswell had Eddie Carifio, who covers Northern Illinois, and he said DeKalb is the city in Georgia. DeKalb is the city in Illinois. So it's DeKalb, Illinois. See, I I heard that too. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. DeKalb, let's roll with that. Northern Illinois, outside of Chicago. Outside of Chicago, the Pokes. Well, they won. They were victorious. That's all that really matters. But it certainly was. It was one. It was an interesting game. I mean... The fact that the Pokes were able to come back and pull that one out after dropping the lead at one point, that showed a lot of fortitude and certainly a lot of fight in a team. Again, though, Sean Chambers, man, he's just incredible. Incredible. That's all I can really say. Yeah, Aiden kind of broke that down for us, didn't he? You know, um, you guys will listen to that in a minute, but Aiden touched on that. Sean they, they have all the faith in the world in that guy, and he's proven it two weeks in a row. He's – the Cowboys should have never been in that situation, obviously, blowing a 26-point lead, but 
you know, Sean, Sean proved why he's the number one guy there. Yeah, he certainly did. Another guy who proved himself on Saturday was Isaiah Nayor. I know you've been high on Isaiah Nayor for quite a while. Were you excited watching him just burst on the scene the way he did? Yeah, I think everybody has um, been high on him. Definitely. You know, even Michael Katz last year, when we were talking to Michael Katz, he was, Michael Katz was, you know, saying this guy, this guy, this guy needs to maybe get the ball more and he's explosive and he proved that. And I mean, it was awesome to see him get going, you know, and hopefully that can just translate to the rest of the season. Defenses are just keen on Xavier Valade, um, that power run game the Cowboys have and, you know, the best running back in the Mountain West. So if he's another weapon outside, it gives that offense, you know, some a lot of versatility and could be tough to tough to just tough to cover. Yeah, Nayor found the end zone three times, two times through the air and then one on the ground. But it was his catch late in the game along the sideline. They went to review it. I was confused as to why they would call it incomplete in the first place. That was probably his biggest moment of the game. Your impact on the game isn't limited to scoring. So it was exciting. Certainly exciting to see him break out like that. Yeah, what a snag. What a snag. That's a big league play. You know what? That's something that the pros do right there is make plays like that. Yeah, um, no doubt. Muma, Chad Muma. He's going to be playing on Sundays 100%. He made another big play. That dude's going to win out in West Defense Player of the Year. He's well on his way. Thomas Davis, a longtime NFL linebacker, former Pro Bowl linebacker, was on the ESPN Plus call, and he he was impressed with Chad Muma, which I think speaks volumes to just how good Chad Muma is and how much the defense is not lucky, but, you know, it's nice when you have a guy who's that good in the middle of your defense, captain in the ship. Yep, captains on both sides of the, both sides of the ball for the pokes, and they're kind of certainly carrying them in these two games. And then another Mac opponent, another you know, should be a good game this weekend. I I can't really see UW running away with it or anything. So excited to see that one. Um, You'll be there on the sidelines, David. Just be careful. <laughs> I will be on the sidelines. The pokes are minus seven against Ball State. So people definitely think they're that hook they're is, gonna win. That 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 hook is uh you know, the little kitchen you there. Yeah, it got me there minus seven last week. That was that hurt that hurt in Northern Illinois after, after being up so much, but well, we won't dive too much into the ball state game. We'll leave that for Josh Criswell on previewing the pokes. So we'll just get right to university of Wyoming wide receiver, Aiden Eberhart. Enjoy this. We talked Sean chambers. We talked about this team so far. It's always a pleasure talking to Aiden. So enjoy this interview. All right, we are thrilled to be joined now by super senior wide receiver from the University of Wyoming, Aiden Eberhardt. Aiden, how's it going today? How's how's your Monday treating you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, and, yeah, you know, 2-0. And uh, 
So it's a pretty, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good Monday, but uh, looking to go one another this week. So getting back, uh, back into the mindset, and back, back after it. Two and zero. I'm sure that feels pretty good, especially given that you know it, it could be, it could a few things could have gone differently, and it's not two and zero. I mean, what does it mean to you to, for this team to be two and zero on the season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, a couple of plays here or there could change the whole outcome. But uh, just to be two and zero right now, um, you know, I think that's a, a huge boost um, for the for the team's morale and everything. Um, also, you know, going into the next game, um, obviously that that helps our helps our confidence going in a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, it's always it's always nice to be two and zero and. Um, undefeated at this point, and uh, it uh, it feels pretty good. But uh, you know, I think we've we've shown that we we've got some fight in us. And uh, when it comes down to it, you know, we just we just want to win the game. You guys wouldn't be two and zero without some of the heroics from Sean Chambers late in the games. I mean, what's impressed you the most about him so far this season? Yeah, um, I think his confidence. Um, if I had to put something, you know put one word on it. I think uh, the confidence that he's shown and uh, the way he's been able to lead this team and lead this offense, um, you know, his body language throughout games and uh, obviously him making plays as he's been doing um, has just been great and he's been confident and, um, you know, his calls, his checks and, uh, you know, when he throws the ball, he's confident with uh, what he sees and where he's throwing. So it's, it's been awesome to see all of that and, this offense has just, just been awesome to see. You know, you guys have had to kind of grind out a couple of wins so far this season. How do these early games, these early wins you need to grind it? How does that set you up for the rest of the season to be successful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, it'd be nice to go in there and win by more. Um, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, looking at the big picture, I think it is also nice for us to be kind of in – some one of these grinders just to kind of get some experience of being in that, you know, pressurized moment um, as a team or facing adversity as a team to see how, you know, we can respond or how we should respond um, different ways that we can do that and how we should go about it. Because obviously throughout a season, you're going to come, you know, face to face with adversity. So seeing us and how we've been able to respond and come out with a win both times has been awesome. Um, but it'd be, you know, obviously it'd be nice if we could, avoid that a little bit more but uh you know i think like i said experience with uh being through that and being tested um has been really good for our team just because uh you know once we hit conference play i think uh um we'll obviously be able to kind of come combat the adversity once it once it arises yeah kind of building off of that how does the veteran presence that you guys have throughout the entire roster how has that been able to help you early this year yeah, you know, I think it's been pretty good. Um, if you look at, you know, when you're playing, you can always feel momentum of the game swinging back and forth. Um, but just to have, you know, some some older guys here, it's been it's been really nice because we're all on the same page, and it's like, you know, adversity is going to hit in every game um, at least once. And so it's it's been nice because everyone's on the same page. Like, you know what? Whatever happened, happened. Let's go get after it now, and we we still got to win this game. You know, it doesn't matter how much momentum they have. Um, we know that you know one play can can change the game, and uh, we just need to make another one.
how great was it to see Isaiah have that breakout game that he had? I know a lot of I know a lot of you guys were anticipating that, and how great was that um, for him to just you know score the first touchdown of his career and then just build on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was great to see all you know Isaiah doing his thing. Um, like you said, we've all um, seen it throughout practice and throughout workouts and everything. So it was it was awesome to see him you know break out and. Uh, show his ability and uh, show what he can do. So I think it, uh, you know, it was awesome, like I said, to see him come in and see where he started and see where he's at now. Um, it's just been great. And now, you know, obviously everyone else has seen that too. So I'm, I'm really excited for him. And uh, that was that was great to see. We've hinted at it a few times about you being a super senior. You've been in Laramie for quite a minute now. And the uniforms have been kind of – They've been top of mind for a lot of fans so far. What does it mean to you, though, to have that patch on your jersey that says that says super senior, graduate senior, basically? Yeah, you know, it means a lot. Um, like you said, you know, I'm a super senior, and I've been here for a while and kind of feel like an old man here a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to, uh, um, you know, have that, I think it says graduate, um, patch on the jersey um just to kind of show what i've been through and you know um how long i guess you can look at that and see how long i've truly been here but uh you know it's awesome um i'm able to uh, graduate um already here in uh in laramie and um it's uh it's pretty special to be able to have that on on the jersey so far this year you've kind of been sean chambers security blanket in terms of Anytime there's been like a key play that needs to be made, you seem to be the guy who's made it in these first two games. I mean, how would you say you guys' rapport has has progressed through these two games? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, you know, I think uh, I've been you know I've been saying it. Me and Sean are definitely on the same page, and it's it's been awesome to be able to go out there. And I trust that you know if, if I can get open, um, he'll be able to get the ball, and we can execute the play, you know, wherever it's supposed to go. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been really awesome to see that he, he also trusts me and knows that I'll be able to get open and he knows exactly where to put the ball. And uh, he's been doing a really good job of that. So it's been awesome to be on the same page and be seeing, the, you know, the plays and the defenses and different checks and everything like that. It's been awesome to be able to see that and be on the same page. And um, like I said, you know, I trust that he's, He's going to be able to put it wherever wherever I can get it. So as long as he gives me a chance, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. And uh, my job is to catch the ball and move the chain. So that's, that's what I plan to do. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing you hopefully catch a few more balls and move the chains quite a few times this weekend in Lincoln <laughs> against Ball State. Super senior Aiden Eberhart, really appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, thanks, Aiden. Thanks, Good luck Aiden. this week. Good luck. Good hey, luck, I appreciate man. it. Thank All you, guys. Right. I really yep. appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate you. See ya. All right, that was University of Wyoming wide receiver Aiden Eberhardt. And then we're just going to switch gears, bump up a level, head to the pros. Denver Broncos won 27-13 at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. And we had the pleasure of talking with the Gazette's George Stoya about that game and where the Broncos stand after one week. So enjoy this interview with George. 
All right, we have a really special guest on right now, George Stoya. He covers the Denver Broncos for the Gazette. Robert truly loves the man's coverage. He's been hyping him up for days now, Toby. George, how's it going today? Good. Hopefully I uh, live up to expectations here. That That's uh, that's high praise right there. So hopefully I, uh, I, I don't fumble the bag here. <laughs> well, we have the utmost confidence in you. So let's just jump right into the Denver Broncos here. They're coming off a big victory in in New York, in New Jersey, I guess, in front of an emotional crowd with everything surrounding 9-11. What, what impressed you the most about this first opening Broncos victory on the road? Yeah, I think you have to start with Teddy Bridgewater, right? I mean, when you look at the uh, storylines and the headlines – uh, this entire offseason, it's it's been quarterback. What's what's the quarterback situation going to look like? Uh, obviously, the competition that went on between Teddy and and, and Drew, um, you know, drew a lot of headlines and and again was was written about a lot this offseason. And so to see Teddy come out and perform the way that he did, um, you know, I, I think I, I I saw somewhere that I, I think he had the the uh, the highest QBR in the league uh, th- this past week and and just the way that I, I think he was twenty eight of thirty six two hundred. 30 something yards, two touchdowns. And then what he was able to do really outside of the pocket, I think was, it was impressive because I, I think when you look at Teddy's career, uh, obviously he's had some good stats and it has been a solid quarterback throughout his career, but I don't think we've ever really seen him uh, do some of the things that he was able to do outside the pocket in terms of mobility and, and uh, creating plays with his feet and, and, and getting, you know, the, you know, the ball downfield. So I think that's the number one takeaway is that this offense uh, when Teddy plays like that, this offense is really good. And if the offense can keep that up, uh, we already kind of know what the defense is, is going to be week in and week out. It's going to be one of the best in the league. Uh, but when the offense can score points like they did on Sunday, they're going to be a tough team to beat by anybody. And so I think that that's kind of the, the number one takeaway. Of course, I think that um, you could look at the defensive performance. I thought they played well. Um, you know, they, they kind of played that bend, don't break, got a turnover there in the red zone, I think, in the third quarter uh, that kind of turned the game. Uh, the aggressiveness that Vic Fangio showed on fourth down with the offense, you know, going for it three times and converting all three times. That's not something we've seen with this team in the past, uh, that aggressiveness. Uh, and so that, that, that trust, I think says a lot about this offense too. So, and in the defense, you know, going for it on fourth down. And I think of that, that one on the 49 yard line, right before halftime, uh, I think there's 48 seconds left, fourth and two, um, you know, on the Giants 49 yard line. And and that says a lot about the offense and the trust they have in it, but also the defense, because if they don't convert there, uh, you're really relying on your defense to get a stop right before the half. And and so I, I think that, I mean, again, I, I'll go on and on, but I, I think those are kind of the, the top takeaways from the game. You mentioned right off the bat, Teddy Bridgewater, certainly sitting on my couch I was surprised when he was throwing the ball all around. He finished with 36 attempts, 264 yards to be exact. Were you surprised that the team threw the ball that many times? You know, I, I, I was because uh, this is a team that, you know, being out at training camp and, and even in the preseason, uh, they ran the ball a lot, right? Uh, this was a team that uh, you look at uh, that offensive line, a lot of veterans coming back, um, guys that have been in the league for a while now. Uh, they go out and they draft the Javante Williams. They they have a Melvin Gordon, who's one of the better backs in the league. Uh, and they run a lot of two tight end sets, 12 personnel. You, you think that they're going to run the ball a lot. And they did run the ball um, you know, quite a bit on Sunday, but, you know, 36 times throw the ball, I would have taken the under, right. I would have taken under 30 um, if, if that was, you know, something that you could bet on. Um, but uh, I think that uh, it was a little bit of surprise. And I think part of it was, you know, the giants defensive front is really good. 
Uh, and early in that game, the Broncos, you know, kind of struggled um, to protect uh, not only Bridgewater, but also get the run game going. So I think that it, they kind of forced their hand in terms of uh, having to throw the ball. And Teddy was just on. And when your quarterback's on like that, I think you kind of just take the risks and you go. Uh, and they trust Teddy. I think that was the other thing, too, is that um, the reason they threw the ball so much is they really trust in him and his arm and, and his playmaking ability and also just how he sees the field. Because uh, you can you can knock him as much as you want on, you know, pure arm talent and uh, being able to throw the ball down the field. But the dude sees the field. I mean, he's a smart, smart football player. And so I, I think that that uh, just, again, speaks to the trust that they have in Teddy. You talked about that 12 personnel. Do you think uh, we can expect to see some more of that after the Jerry Judy injury with uh, Fant and Albert O out there? Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting with, with Judy going down. Uh, everybody's talking about, you know, is it Tim Patrick? Is it Cortland Sutton? Is it KJ Hamler? You know, Deontay Spencer, Seth Williams, Kendall Hinton, uh, you know, all these guys. Who's going to step up and fill that, that void? And I think it's the tight ends. Uh, I think it's Albert O. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I will get it wrong. Uh, but uh, Albert O and Noah Fant, I think, are guys that you're going to see get even more targets. And, I, you know, they got quite a few on Sunday. You know, Albert O obviously found the end zone. He also had the fumble. Um, I can't remember how many you know catches Noah had, but I, you know it felt like he had a s- several over the middle uh, where he was just op- you know wide open uh, or made a contested catch sometimes. So I, I think that that's definitely something that you're going to see a lot of, and and that's something that you know offensive coordinator Pat Shermer has talked a lot about this offseason is, is that they feel really good about their tight end room. Uh, it's, it's not every, you know, not every team has the luxury that the Broncos do um, when it comes to the tight ends. And, and when you have playmakers like Noah Fant and Albert O and even Eric Saubert, who, you know, for a lot of teams, he, he's probably a, a, you know, number two tight end for a lot of teams. And so when you have that kind of production, uh, in your tight end room, I think that, you know, they're obviously going to go to them. And, and then when you have a guy like Jerry Judy go down, they're, they're definitely going to rely on it. Because I, I think the thing that you have to think about is, you know, Judy for, for Bridgewater, at least since Bridgewater has been here, they've had a really close connection. And in a lot of ways throughout training camp preseason, and even in the Giants game, you know, Judy is kind of his security blanket. And so when he goes away, who's going to become that security blanket? And I think it's going to end up being those tight ends. You know, the Broncos uh, have a very, very great opportunity to start the season 3-0 and and even on the road you know starting the season 3-0 what does that do for them mentally going into the remainder of the season I think it's huge right I think it's huge that they they won their first game uh because when you look at these past you know couple seasons you know under Vic they've been 0-7 in September and I think that just kills the morale of a team right uh when you start out a season uh unable to win in the first month uh, of the year uh, it's tough, man. It's it's really tough. It, it, it hurts the psyche of the team. And so when you come out here, no matter who the opponent is, I, I know we keep talking about, ah, well, the Giants aren't very good. Uh, clearly the Jaguars and Jets are not very good uh, with two rookie quarterbacks. I, I, I But it's the NFL, man. And, and I know it's the cheesy line of any given Sunday, but if you can go out and start the season three and oh, I think it's huge. And then you look at some of the teams that they're going to play uh, in October. I believe it's uh, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Raiders and Washington, maybe that maybe that's too many. I can't remember, but it's a tough slate, right? I mean, you're 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 talking about having to go to a place like Pittsburgh, who you know the Steelers look really good. Uh, you're going to have to go to Cleveland, who I you know I think is one of the better teams in the AFC. The Ravens are obviously going to be tough, uh, and then you have the a, a divisional opponent in the Raiders. So getting off to a good start is not only key just for the morale of the team, but if this team wants to make the playoffs. I've, I've said all along they need to start 3-0 and uh, because they are better than these first three opponents. Um, 
as a, as a car goes by my apartment here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, it's huge. And, you know, this team's talked about it. A lot of these guys have been on the, on the, on these teams the last couple of years. And, and um, you know, Teddy came out and said today, you know, you could feel it in the building. There's an excitement, um, but they, they need to make sure that they stay focused uh, these next couple of weeks and make sure that they, they do get those two wins that, you know, a lot of people expect them to get. And certainly excitement with Bradley Chubb coming back. Him and Vaughn haven't been together on the field since September 2019, almost uh, two years almost. What's the anticipation like for Chubb to get back and the defense is going to be even better? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, I, I think that it's it's an interesting situation because I, we still don't know if uh, Bradley's going to play this week. And, you know, I kind of asked, um, you know, Vic Fangio about that today, if, if he expected him to get back and his confidence level. And, you know, he was limited at practice today and, and it ended up being a game time decision on Sunday against the Giants. Um, but, I, I, you know, when he does get back and, and I'm not so sure they need him these next couple of weeks, I think they'd like to get him on the field, obviously, just to get him back in, you know, playing shape and, and game shape and those sorts of things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they, if they play him, you know, these next couple of weeks, because I, I think that their thought process on Sunday was, you know, he probably could have played uh, against the Giants. Like if that's a playoff game, I think he's playing that game. Um, but I think that they felt comfortable with Malik Reed, Jonathan Cooper, uh, even Andre Mintz um, getting some snaps in there. So uh, it'll be interesting. But I, I do think when he does come back, if he's healthy, uh, him and Vaughn, I think Vaughn showed uh, he's he's looking a lot like his old self um, and, you know, getting two sacks against the Giants. And so when you have those two guys on both edges, man, that's that's quite the duo. And, and you know, the game that I really circle that, uh, it's going to be important for both those guys to be on the field is the Ravens, right? When you're containing a guy like Lamar Jackson, who likes to get out on the edges uh, and, and and really make plays happen. If you have two guys, you know, one on each side, uh, like Vaughn and, and uh, Bradley, I think it, it could make a huge difference in a game like that. So it'll be interesting to see when Bradley gets back, but uh, when he does, if, if Vaughn is still healthy as well, I think that a lot of people are excited to see both those guys play side by side. Vaughn certainly looked healthy on Sunday. You mentioned those two sacks. What do you think just seeing him moving around and making plays like that does for this Broncos team? I think it's huge because uh, he's definitely a, a, a leader on this football team, right? I mean, he's, I think him and Brandon McManus are the only two Broncos left from that Super Bowl team. So uh, those guys know what it takes to be a great football team. And so when you have a leader like that, a guy who's been around for a long time, you know, going out there and making big plays at, at the age that he is, you know, 32 years old. Um, you know, I think it, it's huge for this team. And, and again, he's a guy that, you know, every week he speaks to the media and he, he talks about all of his teammates and things like that. And so for him to go out there and back up uh, sort of the things that he's been talking about, about himself and also his teammates, I, I just think is, is big for this organization. It's big for the fans. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Vaughn this year, because, uh, you know, I think he needs to have a big season if he wants to return in Denver uh, with a new general manager. Uh, you know, John Elway, it looks like, um, you know, may not be around as long. And, and being that Elway, you know, drafted Vaughn, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if if Vaughn is something, you know, is someone that they try to uh, sign back next season. And, and if he doesn't have a, a productive year or, you know, he goes down with an injury like last season, uh, you know, you know, prior to the season, then. You know, maybe he's looking at his last year here in Denver. So he got off to a really good start, and, and it's it's good to see. And I think that, again, when Von Miller's playing his best football, uh, it's great for the Broncos and, and, and everybody involved. That depth in the um, secondary is really already starting to play a role on the team, right? 
Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're really good. Uh, and it's interesting because they, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, are they no fly zone 2.0 and, and those sorts of things. But this, this group has such a different personality. They're so quiet. Uh, you know, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, obviously been in the league for a while, very well-spoken, but, um, you know, they're not, at least from our perspective, they're not huge, you know, trash talkers. Maybe Kareem Jackson is a little bit, uh, but you look at those cornerbacks and, and Kyle Fuller, um, you know, Ronald Darby, uh, who, you know, really isn't, um, you know, he, he's, he's going to be out the next, I think, three weeks, um, you know, going on the short-term IR, but, uh, you know, he's a good player. Bryce Callahan, Pastor Tan, those guys, those guys are quiet, man. Uh, there's some of, I don't want to say they're the worst interviews on the team, uh, but they're definitely not the best quote uh, because they're very short uh, and to the point. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, man, they're, they're really, really good. And, and when you have guys like that, um, you know, it, you know, on the back end, uh, it obviously allows, you know, uh, a Bradley Chubb or a Vaughn Miller uh, to get to the quarterback, right? Uh, because if they can, if they can be in coverage for, you know, four or five seconds instead of two or three seconds, right. That gives uh, you give Von Miller an extra second, man, he's going to take advantage of it. So um, I, I think it's huge. And, and, you know, they have a lot of leaders in that back end, especially with Simmons and, and Fuller, those two guys are not Fuller uh, Jackson. Those two guys are obviously uh, ones that have been around for a while and, and uh, definitely speak for the team in a lot of ways. Yeah. Fuller isn't uh, ripping any, anybody's chains off here. Yeah. Um, want to ask what what's your prediction for Sunday? Score prediction uh, from Stoya. Yeah, um, I don't think it's gonna be close. Uh, I think the Jaguars are in serious trouble not only this weekend but probably the entire year. Uh, I think the Urban Meyer project, uh, just to be blunt, is pro- I I just don't see it working right now. I know it's only been one week, but uh, I just don't think that's gonna work. And and I think for this weekend though specifically. Um, you, you, you look at Vic Fangio's record against rookie quarterbacks. He's 18 and nine in his career as a defensive coordinator and head coach against rookie quarterbacks. And his next two weeks, he gets two of them. And Trevor Lawrence, as good as I think he is and is going to be, uh, you know, going up against a Vic Fangio defense in just his second week in the NFL, man, that's going to be tough. Uh, and I just think that, you know, looking back at his performance last week against the Texans, who I also do not think are very good, um, I, I think that the the Broncos, you know, could be looking at a, I don't know, a twenty or more point win. I mean, my score prediction is probably thirty-one-seven, and I, I would I wouldn't be shocked if they get up like, I don't know, twenty-eight-zero to start the game. Like, I just I I just don't see how how you know the Jaguars are going to move on this defense with the rookie quarterback, uh, and then I also just um, you know I think the Broncos offense keeps it going just because you look at this Jaguars defense in it. I mean, they let Tyrod Taylor and it, n- nothing against Tyrod. I mean, I think he's a, he's a, you know, a, I, I don't know, an average quarterback in the NFL throughout his career, uh, mostly a backup, but uh, they, they made him look like an MVP caliber player last week. So um, I, I just think that the, this should be an easy, an easy win for the Broncos in my opinion. Yeah. David's David's Texans fan. So he, he appreciated that W. <laughs> Sorry, David. It's all yeah. good. It's, it's, it's all not going to be. I, I don't know. You, maybe maybe the Texans will prove everyone wrong, but uh, <laughs> I just don't see it happening this year. I, I tweeted out at halftime that I was ready for the uh, 28-27 loss. I was emotionally preparing <laughs> for that. So definitely hoping the Broncos have, this, have similar success. Before we get you out of here, George, I noticed on your Twitter that you, you're from Tulsa. Is that correct? Yep. Oh yeah. Now, T-town. Don't hate the nine one eight. I'm not. I'm not. My sister 
is an avid listener of the podcast and she lives in Tulsa. She went to uh, Tulsa University and I guess Oh, really? still lives there. So I want I want you if you got any Tulsa recommendations for my little sister here, just hit her hit them with her. Hit her uh, with them. Old school bagel, got to go there for breakfast. Uh for lunch, I would hit uh Weber's hamburgers and for dinner, I would hit uh the Brook on uh Brookside Peoria. Uh, those would be my three top. I, I could talk about Tulsa all day. I grew up in Tulsa, uh, born and raised there, went to high school there, uh, went to the University of Oklahoma, which is right down the road in Norman. So I could give you a ton, but I would say old school bagel, uh, Weber's burgers, and then uh, the Brook for dinner. Those are my, my three spots. All right. I'll, I'll have to see what she thinks of them and then check back in with you. But yeah. what also then, what, what's the best thing about Tulsa? What, what you know? It's it's kind of a slept on town. I've been there a few times. It's pretty nice, but you're born and raised there. I mean, what what's the best thing about Tulsa? Definitely slept on. I'm glad you said that. Uh, Tulsa is very underrated. Um, you know, I, I would say there's a few things that that's best about Tulsa. One, it's like um, it's not a small city, but it's also not a big city, right? And so, like I I, it's not like a city where everybody knows everybody, but you kind like, you kind of know who everyone is, if that makes sense. Like you kind of know, like the, the people that are popular there and like everybody, you know, you know, people in other high schools and things like that. So I enjoyed that part of it. Um, but I think there's other things about Tulsa. You have to think about the gathering place, which, you know, is relatively new. It's this new park. It was rated like the number one park, uh, like in the country, in the world, I, I think, or something like that by time magazine. Uh, the food scene is really, really good. Um, you know, they have the BOK center downtown. They have, um, oh gosh, uh, Kane's ballroom, which is, which is considered one of the best, like smaller concert venues, uh, in the country as well. Uh, and of course I'm biased. So I'm kind of just like saying those things, but it's true. Um, and then, uh, quick trip, which is, I don't know if you guys know what quick trip is. I know uh, quick I don't, trip. <laughs> yeah. Quick. Tri- I don't know if they have quick trip in Wyoming, but you know, quick trip, quick trip is, is the best man. Quick trip. Like it, honestly, I would eat quick trip for breakfast, lunch, and dinner as well. You know, get you a, a breakfast pizza, which is really good. Then you can get some taquitos for, for lunch and then maybe a hot dog for dinner. But um, you know, I love quick trip. Uh, th- there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things about Tulsa. I could go on and on about Tulsa. Uh, I, I know a bunch of people that went to TU uh, so I, am sure she, she has, you know, familiar people that I know, uh, from high school and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I love Tulsa, man. I would live in Tulsa in a heartbeat someday, but the only problem is they don't have an NFL team. So that kind of stinks, but uh, I love Tulsa. That's very true. That's very true. Well, George Stoya, you can follow him on Twitter at George Stoya and you can read him in the Gazette. Excellent coverage. Robert sends me articles that you write all the time. So Really appreciate you, George, for coming on and uh, for giving us some Broncos insight and Tulsa insight, two for one here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that with George. I certainly did. Certainly learned a little bit more about Tulsa than I knew before. Didn't know quite the extent of Quick Trip. I have been there before. It's, it's you know, it's your fancy gas station if if that wasn't entirely clear for everybody who's listening it's a nice place it's very clean bathrooms yeah that's always a plus do you visit your sister often i get there occasionally i think i've been to tulsa a few times while she's lived there she recently has decided to purchase a home in tulsa so she'll be a, a homeowner 
a young homeowner, the American dream right there. So good for her. Good for, good for my little sister there. Well, we'll wrap it up. I know Robert's a big Broncos fan having lived here in the region most of his life. 100% Von Miller in my Twitter profile picture. That's exactly that top, top three best days of my life. Exactly. Running into that guy in a restaurant. Fandom doesn't get any greater than that. So what, what did you take away from the Broncos? I know I personally, I was sweating hard on Javante Williams over 38 and a half rushing yards. So that was, uh, that was kind of my only thought the entire time is why aren't they handing the ball off? Yeah. And you asked George that, and that was kind of what stood out to me too is, they passed the ball a lot. So that was that was definitely surprising, you know. I thought they were going to be pounding the rock with those two kind of big physical running backs. And they did, they passed the ball at Bridgewater, made plays out there. And I guess when you have weapons like that on the outside, you got to use them, right? So you can't just – yeah, you can't just let them just block. Those guys aren't getting big to block. Have. Yeah, those guys aren't getting paid to block for sure. So, I, you know, I, I'm a little surprised that they did pass the ball. You guys already talked about that in the interview. Um, yeah, something else that kind of stood out to me was another thing you guys talked about. You guys pretty much touched it all. Uh, Vaughn, you know, he just comes back strong. And I think – just translated that team for sure. Defense side of the ball. I think uh, I'm a lot more confident about the Broncos going forward. It just sucks that they play in the AFC West. Yeah, it's a brutal division. Herbert didn't look his best against Washington, but the Chargers are obviously going to be frisky. The Raiders look frisky, and then the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs as long as Patrick Mahomes and company are – trotting out half a million red and a, yellow <laughs> half a billion dollar quarterback he's worth it he's probably worth more if if there yeah. wasn't a salary cap it sucks if there wasn't a salary cap well you mentioned von miller there as well i certainly gave my give a little left-armed fist pump on that first sack it was exciting to see him he's he's just a treat man he's a hell of a football player entertaining off the field. Obviously he's had some issues, but you know, he to see him come out there and get not one, but two sacks on Sunday, that was definitely exciting as well. Well, you asked George for a score prediction against Jacksonville. I know you're very confident heading into this game in Jacksonville. So what, what, what are you predicting for the Broncos on Sunday? Well, the Broncos are favored by six, and I think that's just ridiculous. I already placed a wager on that. Um, Broncos cover the spread. So let's see. I'm going to say Broncos win um, 34 to 10. That's no joke. That is a third. That Jaguars locker room is just falling apart, it seems like. They're already. You know, people are out here saying that the team's already turned their backs on Urban Meyer. It's, the teams are completely going opposite opposite directions. The Broncos are 
I've seen a lot of people cut and drop from the top ten. So I don't want any part of that Jaguars team. Well, we shall see. We shall see. I certainly think that they may be a What's little risky at home. I think Jacksonville, they're probably going to lose. I think they'll put up at least at least 17 points, probably 31-17 Broncos. They should dismantle okay. them. It'll be interesting to see the Broncos' aerial attack without Jerry Judy for a full game. So, But I, I, I think that – I think that it'll it'll be a it'll be a victory. They're going to come into that first home game two and zero. I don't I don't have any doubt in my mind about that. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Wyo Sports Podcast. As always, we really appreciate everybody who's been listening to the podcast, subscribed to the podcast, been sharing the podcast. The growth over this last month or so has been truly remarkable to see. So we really appreciate. Everybody who, you know, has helped get the word out about Robert and I's conversations. If you want to throw us a few shekels, never hurt anybody. We really appreciate that. That's always nice. Always nice to see everybody supporting the podcast in that way as well. We really appreciate everybody that way. Robert will maybe be at East Laramie. I will be at the Oil Bowl on Friday, and then, of course, I will be at UW Ball State on Saturday on the sidelines. Hopefully this time I won't fall down. Hopefully come home. No significant injuries for the reporters. Shout out to Shakewell for the music.
Yeah, it was pretty funny.